freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. everybody welcome to another episode of gun freedom radio where we engage we educate and we inform we are brought to you by azfirearms.com your nationwide hometown gun shop i am one of your hosts cheryl todd and i'm the other guy dan todd we're doing a series called americam talking about the can-do spirit that is part of our American DNA. Absolutely. Our lives have been turned upside down, sideways, and every which way in this COVID-19 season. And we're hearing an awful lot about the things we can't do and the places that we can't go. But our guests during this uh, series that we're doing are experts in helping us better understand all the ways that we still can learn and grow, train and connect and expand our freedoms in ways that maybe we haven't even thought about before. Well, our guest today is Holly Sullivan. Holly currently serves as the president of the Connecticut Citizens Defense League, a 37,000 member nonpartisan grassroots organization devoted to advocating rights affirmed by the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of Connecticut. She has also donated her time and energy to be the Connecticut delegate for the DC Project, which is Women for Gun Rights, an educational nonpartisan group of women from all 50 states who advocate for the Second Amendment education over legislation. Gun rights are women's rights, and every woman must be prepared to be her own first responder. Women gun owners make firearm safety and education a top priority, and you embody that through and through. Miss Holly, thank you so much for being our, on the show today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So you took the helm as president of the Connecticut Citizens Defense League, the CCDL, just last year. Uh, talk about the right person at the right time. So talk to us about that changing of the guard and the fact that if I'm not mistaken, you are the only female president of any CC, of, of any CDL. That's my understanding. Um, so yeah, it's been a tremendous honor. So I worked really closely with Scott Wilson, who not only was the last president, but was the only previous president. So he put in an incredible decade of his life to grow this organization from just a few people sitting around a table saying, I think we should do something to fast forward almost 11 years later, where he said, okay, it's time for some new blood and some new ideas. And, and that's one of the things that I think you see in a great leader is somebody who's willing to pass the torch because they realize that this isn't theirs to keep forever. And I respect that in Scott so much. Um, and he's been uh, really has just been my biggest supporter 
um, through this transition. I call him every other day. So, um, and then on top of that, I, there's, a, there's an executive committee of 18 of us. So the 18 people that run this organization have been astronomically um, just invaluable in everything that they do um, in all of our decisions. So it's really been a very smooth transition. And I think that really there's been a lot of new ideas coming forward. We've done some things and we've already filed two lawsuits this year. So I'm really looking forward to what else is to come. Well, it's incredible. And I do love to see that organizations are looking to the next uh, generation, the next level of, of, you know, leadership and growing people up from their ranks. Uh, Because I think too often uh, we, I mean, we're um, small business owners ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. And so we have, uh, you know, the gun shop, AZ Firearms, we have Pot of Gold Estate Auctions, our auction house, and then this radio show. And our daughter works for us. So we have that kind of built in that we have this legacy plan, this sort of how do we pass the torch. But a lot of, of rights organizations, because we're grassroots, right? We don't, we don't even know when we're sitting around that table, right? like you were saying, that we're going to grow into anything. And then we do grow into something we don't know what the next step is. So I love that not only was Scott Wilson forward thinking in that way, but that you were willing. I mean, this is a big job stepping into president of a CDL. Yeah, it's a huge job Um, for anybody. uh, You know, it's really easy to kind of sit behind the computer sometimes and talk about what groups should be doing. But if you realize the time that these people put in and it's not by any stretch of the imagination, is it just me? There are 18 of us. And, um, you know, last week, I don't think there was a single night of the week that we didn't have conference calls because within our committee, then we have subcommittees working on different projects. So each subcommittee might have a call, you know, maybe two nights that week. Um, So what folks might not realize is if you're really part of an active, engaged and present CDL organization, these folks are putting in tremendous amounts of time. Um, So just and you really can't do it without a strong board like that, a group of folks. It's not one person or two people or three people. It's a group of, of ideas and bouncing those ideas off each other and making sure that you have the right decision and it's a consensus. But you have to do that, don't you, Holly? I mean, you guys are getting bombarded with uh, regulations and laws, right? Yeah. Don't you so- have to be on it? Definitely. So CCDL started, um, you know, uh, I think it's hard to kind of skirt around the fact that Sandy Hook happened here. Um, I'm right now, I'm about seven and a half miles from Sandy Hook Elementary School. I live in uh, Southbury, Connecticut, which is the town right next to Newtown, Connecticut. Um, So a lot of the time people think that CCDL started because of Sandy Hook and the laws that came after that. Actually, CCDL started a little bit before that, just kind of seeing all of the other things that were already starting to be in play. Um, So thank goodness CCDL was already in existence um, prior to 2013 legislation that came out as a result of that um and and we've been there every step of the way since just getting bigger and bigger and you know that that tragedy is unspeakable uh, but then we get to a situation like we're in now where we're being told you can't get your pistol permit because of covid well who's going to speak up for those people who are the next generation of gun owners in our state um and what i love about our organization and the battle that we're the legal battle that we're fighting now we'll kind of get about into this more but it's very selfless and i think that's something that 
folks need to recognize that gun owners, we're thinking about how do we preserve the rights, not just for me, but for my kids, for the people who are about to turn 21. You know, all of those folks that um, are kind of coming up, you know, we're investing in their futures. And I think that that's really important. Right. It is so important. And what you just said really lends itself to the idea of don't wait. So uh, a lot of times we feel like, well, we can't be advocates or we can't be activists for the Constitution or the Second Amendment or whatever the, the cause is because, well, we don't have our master's degree in it yet or something, you know? And, and so if um, Scott Wilson had had this idea but sat on it, then the CCDL wouldn't have been in place before something horrific like Sandy Hook takes place. So start where you start, right? Right. hundred percent. And it's really great. So um, some of the board members, when we energize our group, um, we have kind of these taglines um, that we've started using in the last year. And we always say, if not you, then who? And if not now, then when? So who do you think is going to fight this battle for you? And when do you think it's going to start? So if you're not happy with gun rights in your state, you're the person to get involved and now is the time to do it. And there is no preparation involved other than coming to us and say, how can we help? Because everybody has a talent to bring to the table and whatever that is, there is an avenue for that in gun advocacy. Absolutely. I remember Dave Ramsey, we just saw a seminar with Dave and he said that uh, even if your business isn't ready, even if your project isn't done, just ship it, just get it done and get it started to get the ball rolling. And I think that's what it takes. Even if you're not really prepared, just start it. Just get it going. Sure. Right? Get it going. So what? A, tell me about these uh, lawsuits that you guys got going on this year. So um, the first one that we filed, um, actually a huge thank you to the Second Amendment Foundation. We are working in tandem with the Second Amendment Foundation on the first lawsuit. Um, that's uh, Ross versus Malekis. And essentially what happened um, when, when the legislation came post Sandy Hook, we had to register every single magazine that we owned that was uh, that had the capacity of more than 10. So even though they're not serialized, we have to have them registered to us, which is how does that work? So, um, so let's say, for example, I have a magazine and the manuf manufacturer capacity on it is 15. I had to have registered it back when the legislation came out in 2013. I think you had until 2014 to register it. Um, so then if I were to ever get in trouble, they're going to say, okay, show me that one registered magazine. And if I have five of them, I'm in big trouble. Right. So, um, so that's, it's really because they're not serialized. It's not like a firearm where you can kind of track it. It's a magazine. So it's only kind of, if you're found with it, kind of a punitive, um, implication of that law. So regardless, um, so the, the, the premise of this lawsuit is that, Essentially, the only people, um, and, and I'll kind of backtrack. So you're only, if you have one of those registered magazines, you're allowed to keep it, right? So I can't buy any new ones. We can't have anything past 10. So our ARs look ridiculous. Mm -hmm. They've got these little like nubs, you know, <laughs> but um, you can't buy new ones. But if you did register one um, at that period of time, you're allowed to keep it, but you're only allowed to put 10 rounds in it. So you're not allowed to use it the way it's meant to be used. You can only put 10 in there. But what's happened in the years since then is law-abiding gun owners, they are as careful as they can be, 
sure hope they remember when they leave the range to only put 10 in it and not 11 or they're, you know, we've got a problem, but who's not following that are criminals. So right. criminals that get a standard capacity magazine, we don't call them large capacity because to the rest of America, they're just how magazines are made. But here in Connecticut, there are these horrendous devices that automatically just, you know, murder people. But, um, but yeah, so if a, a, a law-abiding gun owner can only put 10 in there, but a criminal can load it the heck on up, and they'll probably get a plea deal anyway, you know. Right, they're um, not even going to charge him with it, you know. Yeah, you know, and that's one of the frustrating things about, about being in this fight is that we see folks, good folks that make a simple mistake, have tremendous um, impacts on their lives. And then criminals that are out there with unregistered guns or whatever, and they're caught in a crime, they get pled down, you know. So at any rate, the premise of this lawsuit is essentially um, based is the constitutionality of us not being able to use that registered magazine as it's designed to be used to the standard capacity. Um, it doesn't impact new magazines. We, we won't get that right back um, until the Supreme Court passes some kind of ruling down. Um, but uh, at least we're trying to fight for those folks who did the right thing, registered their standard capacity magazines that they're allowed to use them as they were designed to be used. That is really strange that they would uh, register something that doesn't even have a serial number. How could they? Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, I, I've just recently reread the Constitution of the United States and nowhere in there do I see any of that. So, you know, we have strayed so far off the mark and we've become such a, a this whole thing has become a permissive system. Right. right. Well, we just have to keep asking, oh, please, sir, could I yeah. please possibly have any of my, and even that you are, you're trying to get your rights back. Well, they're God given. So right. God didn't take those away from you. Some, some splash of ink on a paper uh, is altering them, but it, it's really offensive uh, to, to live that way. And, and to have to say, I, I'm trying to get my rights back. Uh, and, and I am so thankful that there are people like you that get it, that is, are doing everything you can, because you have a daughter that's about the same age as my granddaughter. Yep. And if we aren't doing something right now, right. if we aren't working on education not legislation, which of course is one of our DC project things, uh, one of our little catchphrases. But I mean, truly, if we are not doing everything we can to, to protect and defend and restore these rights, what world are we leaving to them? Right. No, I totally agree. You know, and it, and it is, it's, it, you know, it, it's been interesting and, and it kind of leads me to our next lawsuit. So for the, for a lot of folks that are now just turning 21 and then been in the process in Connecticut to get their permit, this COVID-19 shutdown um, has really altered, completely stopped things. Um, so in Connecticut, you have to, it takes about two months to get your permit. Um, so you start, yeah, it's a two-month process if you're, if you're lucky. State statute says it needs to be, um, that the, by, eight, by the eighth week, they should be turning your permit around, but um, in many instances, it runs far past that. So um, in order to get your permit, 
to carry a firearm in the state of Connecticut or even, and, and this kind of leads me to the next point, you cannot buy a firearm in Connecticut without a permit. You also cannot buy ammunition in the state of Connecticut without permission from the state. So you have to be permitted for that. You have to be background checked and fingerprinted to buy ammunition. So oh, essentially on. what happened is when COVID-19 struck, they stopped the fingerprinting process. So uh, there was a lot of folks that even had already put in their paperwork, they'd taken their class, they'd you know written their checks, all of those good things, boom, everything shuts down. Now they're in a place where they're saying, hold on, I'm not comfortable, I wanna be make sure that I'm able to take care of my family. I did everything that I was supposed to do. I can't buy a single round of ammunition. I can't, even if, even if you know, whatever, maybe their family grew up with guns, they can't buy ammo, they couldn't buy a new firearm, um, they couldn't get their permit. So we, the CCDL is very, very proud to have filed a lawsuit against our governor. Um, and, and it's one of those things, it's one of those checks and balances because they're not dictators, right? It's that this is, they took an oath to protect the people that they serve. It is not about them passing down dictation of what you're going to do, is that they took an oath to serve us. And um, in this instance, we felt that our governor was not serving us. This is crazy. I mean, first of all, they, they tell you you can't buy a gun without having uh, registered and all that. And then they tell you that it takes two months. And if the registration's down, you can't buy a gun. It should, if, if they're going to make some kind of law like that, they should say, hey, if we can't fulfill the registration process, then you can buy a gun anyway. Right. So we made a suggestion. So I um, personally sent a letter to our governor's office. Um, it was delivered um, and I had offered to please come to the table and we'll talk about some other solutions. Um, not every state fingerprints in order to issue a permit. So you're still going to get background checked by the FBI. You don't need fingerprinting in all of these instances. So if that was a primary concern, um, we were certainly open to having a dialogue uh, with the governor's office about how we could get there. Um, that letter was delivered to his office on April 12th. We received absolutely no acknowledgement or recognition uh, at all from the governor's office that they even read our letter or was willing to hear the concerns of the people. So we give them ample time and then eventually had to file a lawsuit. Holly, that's just control. That's all it is. They just want control. They want to control their people. You know, Arizona, we, we are treated like adults so far. Right. Well, we have the AZCDL, which is right. very uh, right. similar and yep. uh, to the CCDL. And, you know, even that phrase, I had used that phrase on an interview recently that, hey, in Arizona, we get to be treated like adults. And I know it's tongue in cheek because you don't get to be treated like an adult. You're an adult. So you act like an adult. Um, right. And uh, so somebody from the Swiss press had seen that interview and he really wanted to drill down on that. He said, so who is treating you like an adult? And I was like, well, no, that's, that's missing the point. The point is I am an adult and adults don't ask permission. We live our lives according to, you know, responsibility and, and civility and all of these things. And so it was just very interesting to me that something that I thought was, obviously understood as just you know humor and tongue-in-cheek that somebody's letting me be an right. adult um it didn't translate to to automatically to other people who maybe grew up with a more permissive 
kind of government system um, where they're accustomed to asking for permission for every little teeny tiny thing. And I think that, um, that I need to spend more time thinking about that and, and my phrasing and, and how I uh, engage these things because just, you know, my little in-joke fell flat. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, it's so true. I mean, and, and I think this is lost on, I hate to say, I mean, perhaps the vast majority of, of Americans, the Constitution is not a set of limitations on the people. It's not a list of things you are able to do. You are able to do as you please because you are a mature, hopefully contributing member of society. The Constitution is a set of limitations on the government, not the other way around. And I feel like most people today don't really think about that. And they think about, well, am I allowed to do this or I am not allowed to do this? Your maker allows you to do what your maker allows you to do. Your government is limited in what they are able to prohibit you from doing. That's it. So when the second, you know, the second amendment says the government cannot restrict you from a firearm and you go to Connecticut and you go in to buy a gun and they say, I'm sorry, we're not doing any of these background checks right now. Then they are restricting you from a firearm. Clear, simple, right? Right. Well, so... Yeah, so in the state of Connecticut, um, you would have to have a Connecticut non-resident permit to purchase or a Connecticut uh, permit, whether it's a long gun um, permit, a permit to carry or an eligibility certificate. You have to have some kind of documentation from the state um, allowing you to buy a firearm here. Or, of course, obviously you could purchase a firearm, have it transferred to your FFL out of state, but then the transaction's happening in your own state. Um, but yeah, so, but in this state, it takes almost two months, if not more, to get that anyway. So it's never a, uh, it's never the kind of thing where somebody just traveling through is like, hey, I'd like to purchase this and walk out the door with it and, and, and they're, they're good to go. Um, they'd have to have it transferred where they're going, whatever the case may be. But um, I'm not sure if that gets to what you were talking about. Um, but, you know, well, just, the fact, just the fact that they're denying you the right to own a firearm. You as a citizen yeah, so, Connecticut. Right, right, so that's what it kind of came down to for us as CCDL stepped back and said, okay, this feels like a de facto denial of our rights. Um, and, and while we understand the desire to mitigate the spread of illness to anybody, there has to be some kind of common sense solution to say, the constitution allows this, our state constitution allows this, and we will find an avenue to make that happen. Yeah, absolutely. So as I mentioned earlier, you have a, a daughter, uh, adorable daughter, might I add. Uh, pictures of her are just super precious. Um, so you're a mom and a gasp, clutch my pearls, where are my pearls, and a gun owner. Right. Right. <laughs> Right. Um, so with the, the mom shaming that's hurled our way by the freedom-hating, anti-gun, moms demand group, what would you say to the millions of brand new first-time gun owners, whether they're moms or dads, right, to help them not buckle under that pressure that these kind of groups and their celebrity spokespeople pile on us? I mean, I can't speak anymore from the heart on this. I, I live in an area where this has been our reality for almost a decade. You know, um, everywhere you go here, it's it, it's green ribbons and um, 
Sandy Hook isn't over for us, right? So for as a mom, my daughter just finished first grade. I can't relate to what the other side is. I can understand and appreciate what the other side is saying, but their rationale, you need to dig deeper than that. So to those folks, I would say, their argument is largely emotional, but what we're really talking about is protecting children. So would you rather protect your child by making a phone call or having the means to deal with it? Um, so for me, um, I, you know, my daughter was born not too long after Sandy Hook happened. And I've thought about this a long time. This is part of why I do what I do. Um, I believe in teaching children gun safety and responsibility from early on and they know better. Um, they know what to do. They know what to what not to do. They know the rules. Um, but for those people is really dig down and get past that emotional argument because that's all that it is. Once you really start to talk about the logistics of being safe with a firearm and using it to protect and defend your family, it's a no-brainer. Um, you know, is that there has never been a time that there has not been evil in this world. And I don't think there will ever be a time that there won't be evil in this world. We, I mean, we're seeing it this weekend. I don't know if you guys have seen, but there is a, a murderer here in the state of Connecticut. There's a manhunt on underway. Um, an individual killed a couple people here in Connecticut. And I, I believe they're looking for him out of state right now. And there was a rumor that he was, he grew up um, allegedly in Newtown. And, um, you know, there was a lot of concern yesterday among neighbors, among moms. Um, and I'm in a group chat and I said, well, if you guys are ready to take control of your family's safety, let's talk about it. That doesn't mean that gun ownership is for you, but maybe learning how to stop the bleed is for you. You know, having some degree of control over what happens to your family, I can't think of anything more powerful. That's how you care for your loved ones. Being a gun owner is so often stigmatized as that we are hateful and you know we hate other people it's the opposite to own a gun and to know how to use it and to know how to mitigate circumstance is the greatest display of love that i can think of it's how do i care for these people to a point that i can save their lives um and and, and that's the bottom line for me i think the only thing gun owners would say about hate is we hate being victims mm. yeah right for sure um, and all these hoops that we have to jump through just to um, have those life-saving tools at our, our disposal. Um, but no, we hadn't heard about um, the event, the, uh, the killings there. But that's the thing is that murder is already illegal. Right. And that law has not stopped one single murder that I'm aware of. It helps prosecute people who are murderers, mm -hmm. right? But you can't legislate people's behavior in the way that these moms demand, the Bloomberg, um, every towns, that they want to try to paint this, this utopia that if only there were these laws and if only these particular tools didn't exist, then somehow we would all hold hands and we would sing Kumbaya and it would just be an amazing, beautiful planet. You know, it, that makes for good fantasy uh, movies and writings, I think. But the reality is what you just said, that there has always been evil in the world. And I can't imagine that there's going to be a time that there's not. And so what do we do? We be prepared.
Right. Um, we care for our children. Agree. We care for yeah, our and children. It, it and really, prepared. I, I do strongly believe that to take the time to do classes, to train, to invest in the equipment, that is an act of love. And to tell us anything else is so short-sighted um, that they, it clearly goes to show how out of touch they are um, with um, human history, uh, with, you know, the nature of how things go. Unfortunately, there have always been people out looking to hurt other people and we don't have to be victims. So. Absolutely. Well, um, you dedicate a lot of your time uh, to the protection and preservation of our constitutional freedom and liberties. Not only are you the president of the CCDL, but you're also, as I mentioned, the uh, Connecticut delegate for the, uh, the DC project. Where did all this passion come from? Were you always you know, really geared towards the Constitution? Uh, were you raised around guns? Is this something that came to you later in your adult life? So um, I grew up in Westchester County, New York, um, which is the first county right uh, north of New York City. Um, so it's definitely not the most gun-friendly area. Um, very difficult to get a permit in that area. And my dad was a gun owner. He was a small business owner. He would carry cash at the end of the night. And, you know, he had a valid reason to have to do so. And my dad and I, you know, from the time I was seven, eight years old, he built a big workbench and he taught me how to reload ammunition. And that was our bonding time. You know, I just thought it was fun time to hang out with my dad, you know, and we'd measure out the primer, you know, measure out the gunpowder, pop the primer out, the old primer out, put a new one in. And I would sit there and I would reload ammo with my dad and he would go to the range and he would practice. Um, you know, and it really just kind of stemmed from those small talks of a little nudge here or there. He never really was in my face, like, you need to believe this and you need to believe, but just little comments that he would say, well, do you think that's right? Or do you think that that's fair? Um, and I think every child probably goes through a period that uh, they're probably a little bit more, I shouldn't want to use the, maybe a little bit more left-leaning in their teens, early 20s, you know, and I think you kind of come back. I think you, once you be, you know, you have responsibilities and things to protect and loved ones that mean that much to you kind of come back around. And for me, um, you know, Sandy Hook was a huge part of that. Um, you know, I, I, I found out that I was having my daughter not too much after that. And, and it was a big uh, thing to say, you know what, I, this is something I want to fight for. If I'm in that situation, if I'm somewhere with my daughter and I'm put with my back against the wall, I want to be able to do something about it. Um, so I did grow up with it. Um, and I, I think that I, I also very much believe that people have kind of a constitutional journey. Um, I think there are things that maybe six, eight, ten years ago I didn't understand, and I kind of grow in that every day, is that um, things that maybe are a little bit more mainstream, you kind of could say, like, okay, I understand why they do that. And then as you get more deep into it, you go, whoa, 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 no, you know, <laughs> that's an infringement on my rights. And you start to really understand the power of what was built for us mm. and why it's so important to protect and defend it um, because it gets eroded nonstop. Um, and it's, you know, it, everywhere you look, whether it's at the federal level or the state level, um, and it doesn't have to be just in gun rights, but it's in all other kinds of things. The government just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And there's going to come a time where America doesn't resemble 
the country that we were intended to look like. And, um, you know, and that's a shame because the beauty of this country is that anybody can get ahead. Any, any single person, no matter what your background, whether you're from here, not from here, whether you're, what your family makes, what doesn't matter. Every single person can get ahead in the United States. And that is a beautiful thing because we are granted the same freedoms. Once those freedoms go away, I think people need to look at the bigger picture of them, what starts to happen. Absolutely. Well, Ms. Holly, thank you so much for all that you do. And thank you so much for being here with us today. How do people learn more about the CCDL and maybe follow the work that you're doing in other areas of, of protecting and defending our constitution? So yeah, definitely. Uh, to be, CCDL is just ccdl.us. Um, membership is free. Um, so please, if you're interested in seeing what's happening in Connecticut, and even if you're not a resident of the state of Connecticut or the surrounding areas, feel free to become a member. We don't charge any dues. Just log on, become a member, because one of the things that I always tell people from what I call free America is that what happens here in states like Connecticut and New York, um, Massachusetts, it's coming your way eventually, right? As that, you know, the fights that we might be fighting now, you might be fighting 10 years from now. And I think we saw that in Virginia as a state that we never would have expected would have had the battles that they've been fighting. Um, so watch what's happening in states like ours, because part of our mission is obviously we want to protect the rights of the folks in the state of Connecticut, but we want to share this information and say, hey, this is what we learned being kind of on ground zero of some of these battles. Um, so follow us and, and follow what's going on at CCDL. Um, and then, you know, if you just want to see, I, I mean, I have a, um, a Facebook profile, it's Holly Sullivan, I'm a Second Amendment uh, advocate, and you can kind of see some of the stuff that I'm doing there. But I got to say, since becoming president of CCDL, um, I don't do so much of my personal stuff anymore. It's so much of my time is just committed to, um, to what CCDL means. Well, we, we appreciate that. And I know the citizens of Connecticut appreciate it. Even the ones that maybe don't get it yet, maybe they're still on the, the other side of the whole gun rights debate. You're fighting for their future. You're fighting for their rights as much as anybody's. And so I, they would appreciate it if they understood. <laughs> Hopefully they'll get there. I really do believe that, they, that there's a journey to be had. So I agree. Well, thank you again so much for uh, spending this time with us. And uh, we will be cheering you on all the way from Arizona and uh, look forward to having you on again in the future. Ms. Holly Sullivan of the Connecticut Citizens Defense League. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Holly. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Well, <clears throat> I can't. Connecticut, I thought that was part of the United States. It's looking less and less that way. So, and I don't know why does it why does it come in from both shores? Right. It's what is coast, that about? Along the coast, it's just the coastal areas. But why? What I, is it about the sea air that makes people want to burn their constitutions? What is it, people? I don't know, but it's it's extremely scary to think that, you know. So they people don't think about it. They say, "Oh yeah, it's okay if we do a background check. It's not going to hurt me." I got a clean record. I can go get a background check so I can buy a gun whenever I want. And we have customers that think that way right now. Mm -hmm. Then they come in the store and they want to buy a gun 
and they already have several, but they want to buy this neat collector gun that just came in today. And they, they look at it and say, yeah, I'll take that. And then we do a background check, you know, the next check. And they say, delayed five days. Delayed. Now, this guy's bought 10 guns from us in the past. Mm -hmm. He's delayed today. Nothing's mm -hmm. changed. Mm -hmm. And so he has to wait the five days or we have to wait until they call and say it's okay to pick up the gun. And so, you know, you think that, that that's, oh, that's harmless. But no, it's not it's because not now they're down. The system's down. Like, like Holly said, their system was down during the COVID, right? So that means a two-month period you can't buy a gun. Okay, so then they say, well, the governor stubbed his toe this week, so we're going to take the system down for a couple years. And yeah. what do you do? Exactly. The governor is the ruler. He's the supreme leader. He says you can't buy a gun today. So guess what, guys? You can't buy a gun today. Why? Because you voted him to make that law. Bingo. Stupid. Bingo. Come on. It really does come back down to the person in the mirror. Yes, it is us. We make the decision because somebody voted that man in. And it was a gun-loving state at one time. Mm -hmm. What happened? I don't know. What happened? I don't know. I, it makes me angry. Holly, we're praying for you. <laughs> we, um, we, we understand your battle, and we hope that you uh, win this battle. Absolutely. Well, they've got the right person at the right time sitting in that president's chair of the CCDL. And I am just thankful to know her, blessed to know her. Um, and I hope that this conversation inspires even one person who's listening or watching, just that it inspires one person to go, all right, I'm not sitting on the sidelines anymore. I'm not fence sitting. I'm not waiting for somebody else to do something. I am going to get involved. I am going to educate myself. I'm going to make sure that I vote at every single level of every single election. So many of these people who get into these positions where they get to have, and we're seeing it so vividly during COVID, they get a you know, they win this election and then the next election, the next one. And then finally they get into a position where they have actual control. Like maybe their first election was like school board, mm -hmm. right? You don't have to declare what your party is. Nobody asks you how you feel about constitutional issues. You, you just get elected. And then they, they just, you know, chunk along and they don't have to expose themselves as far as, you know, what their, their um, take is on the, the constitution. And then they get elected to mayor, right? How many of these mayors across the nation are impacting your personal, individual life in the way that you would have never dreamed? We, our mayors don't do that here. I mean, it's not. Oh, we it, have some in Arizona. We do, but well, I mean, the mayor like, of Phoenix. Yeah, but like Arizona, like uh, uh, Avondale. I'm calling her out. Oh yeah, but Avondale and and Litchfield Park and all that thing. They seem to be uh, pro-service, yeah. not pro-control. They're not. Like they see themselves right. as public servants, and and they right. take their constitutional oath seriously. But yeah, I mean the Phoenix mayor she wanted to way overstep her actual role, 
Um, Wouldn't let us go to the beaches? <laughs> yeah, that was a funny... Uh, yeah, they closed... That, Can Babylon? You read, the mayor closed all the beaches in Arizona. The Babylon Bee, yeah. which is one of those spoof sites. So funny. They had put the, that up there. And, I, you know, bless their hearts, some people were like, wait. Yep. There's beaches in yeah, this? well, the funny thing is, that was funny, but the real funny thing is that some people commented that they don't have a right to do that. Yeah. So, yeah. anyway, I'm... I'm they don't, I'm, but, you know, I'm even if there, you did have beaches. I'm so angry about this because, let's say I, I go shooting in Connecticut, and I have my grandbaby, you know, she's five, she can't, she likes to count, so she says, I want to put some magazines in this, uh, guns, uh, ammo in the magazine, and she puts one extra round in. And we're driving, and I get pulled over, and they check to see that I have 11 rounds in a 10-round magazine. Mm -hmm. I go to jail, mm -hmm. and yeah, or somebody big fine. Yeah. I end up in the or some other person in some way, and it's like, okay, yes, you as the adult would be responsible for what right. your five-year-old grandbaby does. Okay, yes, but Come the on. difference between being on the side of the law and not on the side of the law is one round and it's an arbitrary that's the thing that kills me it's arbitrary like where do they come up with this 10 is you know perfectly you know safe and that extra one that's just like you know that six foot distance we're supposed to keep from each other with covid so six feet cool not gonna die right five and a half feet Whoop, you're dead everybody Yep, you everybody know, you might as well just lay down no i mean not just you but like you suddenly you're causing everybody to die because you went five and a half but i want to go back to this for a second because it's it's really bothering me is because then you got a guy that goes and commits a murder and he has uh, a, a gun with uh, 20 rounds in it he commits a murder and they charge him with the murder but then they give him reduced penalty uh, sentence because he does something and then they drop the charges for the 20 round magazine because it's not worth prosecuting because we got him on this other charge. And then two years later, he's out on uh, good behavior and does it again. It's just, but, but the guy that had the 11 rounds, it oh, affects yeah. his life. It's almost like as if during COVID they were releasing people who had gone through the court system. Yeah, they wouldn't do taken that. Taking all the, the manpower, right? All the resources that it required to arrest and prosecute and and sentence and incarcerate this person because there was supposed to be a legitimate reason for that. So it's almost like as if they released people like that because that. of COVID, but then people who had the gall to open their business and try to feed their family, you know, by exchanging, you know, dollars for inventory, now let's arrest those people and put them, let's m use more resources, arrest them because of COVID. Wait, so that the it's, guy, it's almost like that, but that would never no, happen. And so in that the life. guy that gets out, never would that happen. So the guy that gets out can go break into the building that the person's in jail and can't protect because they're in jail. It's, it's, it's do you a whole think, new world. Do you think that would even happen? No. I mean, no. And I, it's crazy talk, There's no Dan. way that people were released from prison because of COVID. And then there's no way that some of these people were arrested on the same day because yeah. of COVID. That, that, 
that's yeah. no you that this, must be this is a stupid movie script yeah like this is nobody's gonna buy this movie script dan so scratch that whole that whole chapter that's never gonna fly that would yeah. never actually happen in real life except that it did so yeah it, there we go so but we anyway. definitely we definitely need to pray for somebody <laughs> Oh my gosh, we need to pray for somebody. Well, first, let's thank our listeners. Oh, thank you, listeners. No, for real, thank I our do, listeners. I, I, that is my thank you. I am, I you very much appreciate Anybody that will spend a few minutes to listen to me, I really appreciate <laughs> it. So thank you. I've been doing it for 35 years, people. Yeah. 35. And she still doesn't listen. This is true. She still doesn't listen. I've, I've learned the art of making a prop the appropriate like you know yes i'm listening head bobs and that works my advantage though because i get her so <laughs> much into that and then i want to buy something i say i say oh you know the world fell flat today and oh by the way i'm going to buy this oh okay that's nice mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. two days later when i have it she goes Where'd where'd you get that from? <laughs> uh, you told me i could get it it's uh, true it does boomerang badly on me a lot especially with mr oh by the way i bought a cannon and another cannon that matches well, they got to have pins so. Gotta come in pairs. That's anyway. how it works. Okay. Thank you to our listeners. You guys are awesome. We would, I mean, what would we be doing without you? We would just be having this fun little conversation with each other and amazing conversations with our guests that um, would stop right here. But you, our awesome listeners, yes. take those conversations into your living rooms and around your dining room tables and into your Zoom chat rooms and and we value that more than we can possibly uh, express in words. And thank you to our amazing guest, yes. Holly Sullivan. She is a hardworking dynamo, just a dynamo. I, I'm just inspired by her. She's like another cameo girl because I mean, a polka dot is a camo. Because who would who would think? You see her at a grocery store? You'd say, hmm. She probably is a teacher or she's probably, no, she's a president of the CCDL. She is. She is very much in the spirit of polka dots or my camo, which is just being an ordinary warrior. Just, you know, we're normal everyday moms and grandmas and dads and grandpas and whoever we are. And, uh, you know, we also happen to passionately protect and defend our constitution but you rights. also have that old gray white-haired guy with you uh to that likes guns too to kind of keep grandpas. that keep that uh going right i said grandpas yeah. papas that's your name right um all right we got to get out of here so what do we do now we pray for our nation yes we do need to pray for our nation especially along the coastal areas pray for our leaders our representatives especially around the coastal areas yeah. right pray for our rulers on our coastal areas let's do pray for the people who think there are rulers that they figure it out and they're not right and the people who elected them that they won't re-elect them yeah all you rulers out there people are getting smart this covid thing is making people read and learn and they're getting smart, so your ruling reign may not last too long. Yes, let's vote those people out. So pray for our leaders, the representatives. Okay. All of them, Dan. No, all of them. Even the ones you don't like. Okay. Especially, 
especially the ones you don't it's, like. It's so angry. It makes me so angry to see people trying to control us like this. This is our country. This is our country. The government works for us. Doesn't it? We are spreading that message via these microphones as as we sit here, that is happening, that we are spreading that exact message. And it sounds like pretty soon on one of our shows, we need another Dan's commentary. And we're going to be spreading that like a virus. How? The new You missed run. your cue. Mm. <laughs> well, I, I'm angry. Okay. Can't you All see? Right. We got to get out of here. Be good to each other. Have a great week. Bye. Yeah.